Tony Duchesne here. Welcome to episode 100 of Drinks with Tony. And it was 100 years, 100 years ago, 100 weeks ago that I did the reboot of Drinks with Tony because it was on hiatus. I was going to go through the whole story of Drinks with Tony, how it started in 2002 and how we're on episode 100 now with the new restart that was in 2019. But I don't know. It just feels really depressing to have episode 100 as I'm just talking to you from my studio instead of the live event that I've been kind of planning uh, that was to be episode 100, which probably would have been about three writers, a band, and kind of a talk show vibe in front of a live studio audience. And here we are. Can't do it. Oh, well. People are going through so much worse, right? <laughs> no, screw them. It's my time right now to indulge in my pity, my self-pity, my victimism. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I had all this stuff written down of what I was going to say. Used to, well, Drinks with Tony used to be on Pirate Cat Radio uh, from 2004 to about 2009, I think. In 2010, I moved, we moved over to Radio Valencia and broadcast there until 2013. And then it was hiatus until 2018 when we started. And I said, hey, let's do a weekly podcast. What do you think of that? And my other voice said, sure. And so here we are. And I get to do... I get, to, I get to chat with authors and talk about books and I got to do it in kind of a radio format and also talk about film sometimes. It's those are the, that's the, it's the Holy Trinity of my life right now. It's the, if they had to go, Tony, what's your religion? I'll be like in the name of our novels and radio and film, uh, and our savior, um, Mark Twain or whatever, James Baldwin. Um, amen. Okay. Uh, and now enjoy the magic of, radio and podcast and talking to authors and how do you like pot how do you like your marijuana your marijuana hi this is neil pollock and you're listening to drinks with tony get on the drinks with tony show yeah. you're listening to drinks with tony i'm your host tony duchene today on the show we have neil pollock his book's called pothead my life as a marijuana addict in the age of legal weed hey neil Hello, how are you? I'm okay. How are you doing? Yeah, you're busy over there. Did you just get I a thought, phone call? That was, that was my alarm to, to remind me to to get on the Zoom call with you. <laughs> and I forgot I, I forgot to snooze it. Oh, I did the exact same thing. I had my alarm as well. I think because just these days when you're walking around, I mean, I'm in my house way too much. Mm. So I have to have these alarms to go off because... I don't go outside. I just have to. Yeah, I don't do that much. Obviously, like we're in this. Everyone's in the same boat. I just have to. Occasionally, I have something to do on Zoom, and I have to remind myself. Okay, now I have to do that. So okay, so uh, pot's not addicting. I, I wanted. I, I I'm the worst talk show host ever because yeah. I, I I don't come in bringing in. Uh, but anyway, I um, it's intriguing. This is a I really like this book because I the the the, the tap dance of da da da. It's it makes it cures everything. I don't like that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but but your experience is very different than mine. So. Yeah. No. I mean, I believe I believe that as well. That it was sort of a um, like a, a smokable uh, medicine. You know, that it was a magical herb that that could cure your mental health problems and many of your physical health problems. That it could lower blood pressure. 
you know, and that, that, that it had many medicinal qualities, and it may, you know, there may be some applications for it, particularly the, the non-THC stuff, but um, that's not uh, proven science, and it's certainly not true for everyone, right? And I, you know, at a certain point, I was just kind of using marijuana um, as an excuse to escape my problems and an excuse to behave in ways that were particularly savory. And, it, you know, and it just, it, it created more problems for me in the long run than it actually solved. If it, um, so if you, if when you started smoking marijuana, see, I suck at smoking marijuana because I didn't like, I really didn't smoke it until I turned 40. Mm -hmm. And then it just didn't work that well for me, but I'll smoke right. it like, I'll smoke it once every three months. So right. well, you're not an addict. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's, it, if you would have come at it in a different way, well, it's, I, I'm saying this in complete ignorance, but you know, if, if you weren't smoking as much when you were in your twenties or, or at what point was it just too much? When, when did, when was well, it just I like, mean, I mean, I, I think it really started to um, take over my life in my thirties, actually in my twenties, I did get high, but it was there. A, it was less available and um, not as potent in the nineties. I'm, I'm aged at this point. Um, and I just had other things to do. And then like, you know, when I turned 30, that's when I published my first book and I had some success and I had, People wanted to get high with me and I thought I was cool and I thought it was cool. And so it just kind of took over, you know, gradually. And then, it, you know, ebbed and flowed over the years. But I would say for a solid, um, I guess, what, what year did I quit? In 20, I guess I quit in 2017, the end of 2017. So for a solid 17 years, I was, I was high most of the time. And... <clears throat> That, and and after you after you stopped smoking, what was the, what was the shift that um that happened to uh to just like everyday life? I mean that that yeah there has to be a new a new reality yeah is that how it works? Yeah, or? to some extent. I mean, I wasn't high all the time, you know. Mm -hmm. So suddenly I was like, these movies aren't as interesting as I thought they were, <laughs> you know. But also good things like. You don't need to be high to go to the grocery store. Although I imagine it would help these days uh, in some way. It would make it, I don't know, it's, it's, it's weird enough going to the grocery store these days, right? But you yeah. know, you don't, you don't have to get high before you take the dog for a walk. You don't have to get high before you do everything. That's pretty much what I was saying. Like I, I, everything was an opportunity uh, to be experienced stone. So yeah, it took a little adjustment and you know, not everything was necessarily better, but what I found over a period of time was that my my mood improved. It was less erratic. Um, I was more trustworthy. I was more present emotionally for the people around me. I was able to make better decisions, sort of in the big picture financially and professionally. I was making smarter decisions, not always like the most lucrative decisions or the most, you know, you know, decisions that would get me further ahead in the world, but ones that were like calmer and made me happier. I was more attentive to my wife. I was more attentive to my son. I was, you know, my father passed away. I'd been sober for 
a little over a year and I was able to be much more of a help to my sisters and the rest of my family. Um, and because I, my, my judgment wasn't clouded all the time. And, uh, you know, I, I got, I, I became a better trivia player. Like I, you know, suddenly memory retention, there's more retention. I was still good when I was high, but I, I feel like I'm, I'm better now. And that's like my sport. It's an interesting, um, cause, cause like when I've, and I, every once in a, yeah, the, the last time I, I think, no, wait, I, I got high since then. The last time I got high was at a, a sun show that a drone metal band last mm-hmm. summer. And it was like the perfect time to be high is when you're, when I was at one of those shows, but it's a, sure. but at the same time, I would feel like I'm, I'm very absorbed in what I'm feeling. I'm more absorbed in myself than others. Um, and I feel like there's a, in order to be, in order to be present with other people, I don't think I could be high because I think I would be too, and maybe that's my paranoia, but I'm too, cal- I'm calculating too many things. You know, that would be the, per- if, if, I, if I had been a normal user of marijuana, that would have been the perfect situation. You get high at a music festival, you get high at a concert before some trippy movie or something. Once in a while, maybe a smoke a joint at a party once in a while. But I wasn't that, and I was doing all that, but I was, but I was also doing it every, when I woke up in the morning. Yeah. You know, and before I drove, I would drive, I drove all over California, high. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I know I'm not the only man or woman or person who does that. I know there's lots of people driving, even now in LA, driving around stone out of their minds. Um, but you know it wasn't it wasn't sane it wasn't safe so it's like you know that's a big difference between getting high at a concert and getting getting high to uh go um to the library bill bill burr has a um he talks about the los angeles traffic he's like everyone on this everyone on surface streets is stoned everyone on freeways is on cocaine and yeah it, and that's kind of the truth that's what it feels like regardless yeah yeah, yeah. you are or not um yeah so you know it just it was an important shift it was just it was a shift back to reality and i i feel like you know sometimes my life may not be quite as fun um as it was but it's a lot steadier and you know during this pandemic um this pandemic uh, it, it's actually been better. I mean, this was, of course, a perfect opportunity to just sit around the house and get high. Yeah. But actually, but I've been paranoid enough without weed. So, you know, and so I'm, I'm kind of, you can only imagine the kind of rabbit holes you'd fall down on the internet during a pandemic. <laughs> you know? So, now, if you didn't, now, if we didn't have the internet, it might be okay to have a little more weed. <laughs> um, yeah. So if we didn't, of course, if we didn't have the internet, then, well, I guess we could be talking on the phone or something. I would still right. Or, or we could do Morse code. And then the Morse code yeah. would be broadcast via you know, just, radio. Just write each other letters, and then after I die, you could publish them. Yeah. There's a beauty about the letter writing. I love, yeah, I love reading books by that of like author correspondence like even even bukowski yes. when 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 bukowski's letters came out i found those more interesting than the books that were coming out after he died mm-hmm. 
because there, there was more, uh, you know, he's like, hey, you better stop drinking. You're drinking too much. And you need, you know, it's just, you're going, wait a second. I'm getting yeah, the real I, thing here. I, I haven't had an epistolary correspond. I haven't had our correspondence. I mean, I exchange emails for work and, you know. Yeah. For, you know, and for stuff. But even emails aren't really, they're mostly, emails these days are mostly just to confirm that your delivery order is ready, you know. Yeah. There's <laughs> not, not even, they're barely even words. I just, I, a lot of times I just communicate with like, you know, gifts and, uh, you know, like I use a lot of, you know, just like an emo silly emojis. There's no need. Words are, words are uh, growing very, uh, very obsolete. Speaking of the, the um, writing letters, did you ever send mixtapes to your friends in the 90s? Maybe in the 80s. Even. In the 80s, yeah. I would I, in high school. I would. I yeah. did that. Most, maybe a little bit in college. Yeah, I would do. Of course, I made yeah. mixtapes. Everyone made mixtapes. My mixtapes were god, god awful, but then I made them. Yeah, I, and I remember like curating them for like girls I liked, and mm -hmm. and then even like announcing in between and telling them why the song meant something to me and to them and what it was about. Yeah, yeah and then you know, like when I was in my twenties, CDs came out and sort of in the mixtape kind of. That, that you know, I, I guess you could you still could record on the cassette off of CDs, but you know now I own no physical music. I just send a playlist to Spotify. You know, any digital music. I just I have like a Spotify or an Apple Music subscription or maybe both. I don't even know. Yeah, my wife handles that stuff, and I just I just I'm just like all right, let's listen to some 1960s Brazilian pop, and then infinite amounts of it appear. <laughs> and all you have to do is say it. <laughs> it's great for the consumer. I don't know right. if it's so great yeah. for the for the uh, the the musicians, but the, I don't care. I mean, I have a couple albums out. I, I I'm I, I'm not seeing royalties. That's right. You yeah, you were in a band, right? Uh, yeah, I've recorded a few albums. Yeah. Um, my name. I'm on Spotify. Cool. And people are always shocked when I tell them that. I'm like, no, seriously, look, look, there's my shit. That's right. That's right. But, um. Oh, I, one thing I wanted to uh, ask while I still had it in my brain was the community culture of pot, as well as like the community culture of drinking, where you go to the pub and you drink so you can talk to people. And, yeah. the, and, it's, and, and there was like, even in the yoga class, classes that you took in San Francisco, where you would smoke on the balcony with your yoga, with your fellow yoga students, yes. um, that there's a, there's a, there's an immediate way to get in socially with other people than if you just all went to a yoga class yeah i love getting high with other people with friends and i made lots of friends through through weed um and you know i met a lot of cool people you know that there's no doubt um i i haven't met anybody in like six months but who has right right Except for various like you know nurses it's doctors specialists offices but um but but th those aren't social uh acquaintances so you know i yeah so uh i i i miss that to some extent um but it's okay i mean i, I already have friends and i you know I, I can i can meet people other ways when they allow us to meet people again i'll be able to meet people other ways again so so when when you uh when you stopped smoking pot what did you find pre-covid as a way to uh to be like more social and kind of dive into a, mm. to meet somebody. Did you, did you look I mean, for ways? I, 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 well, I'm like a competitive trivia player. 
So, you know, I'd go to bars. I still drink a little bit and I could go to bars with friends and do the quiz. I don't know. I'd still, I'd still go to some parties here and there, uh, play poker. Play, there's a lot of kind of unhealthy poker in the book, but I ha I've had my fun playing poker and I've met some cool people doing that. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I go to the movies a lot, but you don't really meet people going to the movies. At least, at least, at least I hope, hope uh, you don't. Um, I always get, I go to the movies alone, and uh, you know in LA they have well in LA they have a lot of screenings, so yeah, I know. Yeah. So you usually meet people there because you're you're slammed next to somebody, and everyone's kind of there alone. So you're yeah, like wait line, yeah, never, yeah, and, yeah. I'm, I I used to meet people that way in LA sometimes. I'm um, going to the movies. I'm doing. Well, I, I edit this uh, pop culture magazine, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, movie theaters are starting to open up again here and so i'm going to the movies next i'm doing a story i'm going to the movies three times in a week doing it next week i am so jealous i miss movies i mean so I could, much. this could be the end of my life you know this right could be, it could be the last the worst and last decision i've ever made but they're opening new movies you know it's like i wasn't doing i went to the drive-in with my wife a few times this summer i went to the movies once back in may when the first movie theater opened up in Texas, I saw that Vin Diesel bloodshot movie, the one where he's like a super soldier who like has nanotech in his blood and he's reanimated. And it, it was, it was pretty terrible, but it was whatever. It was a movie that was kind of weird and dystopian, but I survived. But now they're like opening new movies in the theater starting next week, starting Friday. Huh? And they've been doing it all along. There's a couple of theaters that are open. They've been just like foreign films you know indie horror but like next week this on friday they're opening um that russell crowe movie the the kids like it's gonna trucker revenge movie and um i know we're getting off topic but i, I it's fine we be here <laughs> and then and, and then they're opening there's a movie about nikola tesla uh -huh. um that's opening i was like all right i'll see that and then and then next weekend they're they're reopening the alamo draft house and they're they're screening the new bill and ted movie Oh my God! I want to see that like, so bad. I know, I know. and I'm, I'm, you know what? Fuck it. I'm yeah. gonna see it, and hopefully, I don't end up on a respirator. Right. But, um, I do <laughs> but have like, like you know, and I don't even like Christopher Nolan movies. I think they're pretentious. I don't like the out of order narrative. You know, I don't like things that go forwards and backwards. I like a nice straight narrative for the most part. I don't like flashbacks. But when Tenet opens, fuck it. I'm gonna see it. Yeah, we're yeah. not open yet in LA, so I, oh, I, I, I will live vicariously through you when I read that. Yeah, yeah, y'all are uh, very being very careful. careful. <laughs> You're being careful, careful not to ever enjoy yourselves ever again. I, yeah, I, and it's and it's working. It's yeah, really <laughs> everyone I know in LA is very very stressed out and unhappy, as am I. But um, you know, but I, I went on vacation this year. I like got in the car and drove to another state with my family. Yeah. We drove to Colorado. Isn't it funny how now, like just picture like eight months ago, if you said, I drove to another state and it would be just be like, yeah, who cares? Why do we care? And then now it's just like, wait, where exactly did you go? What was the landscape like? <laughs> um, there were mountains. And I, I went for a hike. Wow. And I drank some beer. <laughs> craft beer <laughs> yeah i drank some craft beer and i went for some hikes that's pretty much what i did which is what i would do anyway you know but it's yeah. like 
but I had to wear masks on the trails in Colorado. You have to wear masks, and every yeah. time someone, every time someone was coming up on the, on, on the trail toward you, you'd have to pull up your bandana, yep. your mask, and be like, "Okay, I'm being respectful." And then sometimes when people weren't wearing their masks, you'd be like, "That fuck, that guy must be from Nebraska, you know? <laughs> he doesn't respect, you know?" And 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 then and then, and then like. And then we'd walk on and we'd, you know, 15 minutes without anybody around. So we'd pull off our masks and I'd be complaining to my wife about the mask restrictions. She's like, you're, you're, you're more judgy than anybody. And then somebody come by and I could pull up the mask. Ridiculous. So yeah. sick of, I'm so sick of this shit. So stupid. Yeah. Even the hiking in LA, it's, you wear the mask and then, um, and then there's always like two or three people from Orange County and they got scowls on their faces and they're upset because it's all a conspiracy. And, I, and I'm like, you guys should wear masks because you'll look prettier. Well, you're, you're so upset on the mouth. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. Like, I don't, the virus, you're, you're not going to get sick when you're hiking up a mountain. It doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. But whatever, these are, these are the, we have these new weird set of, so, of, of, of social norms. And I'm like, the last thing I'm going to, I could see it silently, but the last thing I'm going to do is, um, get into an argument with someone in public over right. I'll just yeah. do it, bitch about it in my head, right? And then you know, just pray that someday this era is over. I went to the dentist, and there were two. The, I had two women working on my mouth, and they said, "Take off your mask." And I felt like I was taking off my underwear, and it was a threesome. It, it, it felt so weird to just take my mask off. Now we know about your fetishes. Well, it's a new one now, and now yeah, I can right. now I can only get turned on if I'm in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> That's too bad. Um, yeah. No, I know. I, I went I went to the dentist too, and I had to like. There was something where like I had to rinse out my mouth, but I couldn't touch the faucet. They had it rigged up so like I could touch a cabinet with my elbow, and the faucet would come on. It was wow. I'm like, wow, you guys are really, uh, yeah. I've got some some freaking protocols here, you know. Some places are are a little more protocol-y than others, you know. Yeah, and so um, back to back to the marijuana. No, no, it's fine. The varying is how we do this. Um, what did did your family notice? Did your family notice when you stopped, and what was their reaction after? Uh, oh yeah, they noticed because I told them. Right. Uh, I mean, I think my wife was relieved, honestly, because she had, she kind of wanted me to stop for a long time. She had told me repeatedly, she thought I'd smoke too much and I get it for super upset and defensive. Um, she saw, you know, and there was a noticeable change in my personality. It took me two or three days to sort of like, yeah, I didn't get out of bed a lot. You know, I was kind of sweaty and grumpy and, you know, but. And then after that, like, you know, there's, it's, not, it's not like a serious physical detox from marijuana, mm -hmm. you know? Most people don't, don't have that. And so, yeah, I mean, like, pretty within, like, I would say, you know, a week or two, like, my personality started to normalize. You know, and I, I was going to 12-step meetings, too. So part of the process is just, like, taking a long, hard look at yourself and, like, you know, doing an inventory of like your character flaws and what they call defects, they call them, you know, 
and uh, and then gradually, you know, admitting you have a problem, and then gradually you start making amends to people who you've been a jerk to or harmed in some way. And so I started doing that. And so like, yeah, I mean, I would say my family saw at least my wife could see a huge difference. I, I have a teenage son. I you know, even if he did, he'd be oh, oh no, you know, he he's not like you know not going to tell me right doesn't want to flatter me so um he may have i don't know he may either he like doesn't have the uh, ability to perceive that difference or won't tell me until i'm on my deathbed (laughs) (laughs) um which might be next week after the movie theater stuff well, uh, not, it's not gonna. Uh, you're not gonna die immediately after seeing the movie. This isn't Captain Trips, you know. <laughs> this is not a zombie. You know, it's like you would, at, the, at the very least, I would have three more weeks to live. Yeah, right when you come out of the first movie, you're, you get a drop of blood on your nose. What's that? Right out, right when you leave the movie theater, you get a drop of blood on your nose, and it's like, oh no, you have it. You know, like uh, that would be like, <laughs> right? Instead of being like, oh, I have a night. You know, it's like, yeah. Instead of be like, you cough. <laughs> um. So, and speaking of going now, speaking of twelve step programs and marijuana, it, it was what's it like going? I mean, is is there marijuana twelve step programs, or do you? Go to AA type thing. You how, could how go it? to AA. I know people who have gone to AA and Narcotics Anonymous, but no, there's a Marijuana Anonymous. There is? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, it, it's well established. And, you know, the, the, scene, the scene, the group, the fellowship in Austin is, yeah, you know, a few dozen people. You know, the fellowship, and I don't know, I haven't been to a meeting virtual or otherwise in a long time. There's not a lot of public gathering on it. But I went to, I did go to, I was on a, a car junket in West Hollywood pretty soon after I quit, like a few weeks, maybe, maybe three, maybe five, something like that. And I went to a, a weekend night meeting in West Hollywood. And that, that was, was enormous or like, you know, like 75 people. Um, and uh, yeah. And so um, I would say there's, you know, it's quite a large fellowship in, especially in the States where it's legal you know, California, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, those, the real pot places, you know, um, there's a lot of marijuana addicts, like reformed marijuana addicts, and the culture is actually fairly well established. I I wonder if it's, um, like, when it's outside of the legal states, do you think it's like a stigma to, um, or no, it's, yeah, it's a 12-step program, you show up for anything. Yeah, there's no stigma attached. I mean, yeah, yeah. Once you're in the room, like you can be, you know, you're not no. You, I mean, sure, occasionally you're like, ah, this person's crazy, or this, you know, boy, this guy's got it real bad, or whatever. But most of the time, it's like you just kind of, you know, you're not superior to any of these people. You, I, I've had, I've done things that are not good, you know. And I, when I when I was in active addiction, so who am I to judge? So no, there, there's, you know. Some people do feel shame when they first start, but that the whole point is that you have to eradicate that shame. You have to just kind of come clean about who you are and what you did. Yeah. And then when you, and then the, the making amends. So yeah, you had to 
like reach out to people or you're mm -hmm. is, is yeah I called some I texted some I emailed yeah. some not everyone got back to me yeah you know, a couple people were like fuck you most people were very kind the people who got back to me were very kind um and then you know there's some people in my in my life who are like most of those people I was making amends to are like people from the past mm -hmm. who I don't really have a lot of dealings with anymore and a lot of that is because I was such a a dick when I was an addict you know and then there are people of course there are family members and friends who are still in my life and I was there it's kind of called living amends what they say you know you have to like um you know just improve your relationships and show people that you're like different and that you actually care about something other than yourself and you know and that makes great that makes be more helpful be kinder be more supportive yeah. be more responsible all these things you know that makes a difference to people in your lives. And it, like, it didn't, it, some reason it just didn't fucking occur to me <laughs> for yeah. years. Yeah. Maybe yeah. a little bit, but not enough. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The, um, and for those who don't know, you're a three time Jeopardy champion. Yeah. Who doesn't know that at this point? It's all I ever talk about. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is true. I'm a, I I I did when I was still like an active pot addict. I mean, I wasn't high when I was taping the show, but I was high, and I and I, and I took two months off before, so I could get my brain ready. Um, but then, the, as soon as it was over, I went over to a friend's house and got high. And taking that two months off, did you actually think to yourself, "Hey, wh why don't I take more time off? Because if I'm clearing my head now, why not clear it for other stuff?" It occurred to me. <laughs> but I, but you do go in the, you go in depth in the book about uh the the jeopardy experience which is mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun to hear the behind the scenes um yeah, i mean i will say like there mine is hardly the first book that goes there have been quite a few books written about what it's like to be on jeopardy but um yeah you know i thought people are always interested in the stories why not tell them you know and then if you frame it as like and it's a drug addict on Jeopardy. Well, that kind of makes it a little more interesting. Yeah, and I love the the, uh, the sequestering of the contestants because mm. they're very. They're, you know, I, I think I've seen some kind of documentaries on how it's on how um, they try to keep the you know the the question the answers for the board very well, secret. It's well, they have to. They yeah, because of the quiz show scandals of the fifties. So yeah, so there's no. Um, I mean no. Nobody knows the answers except for the people who wrote the questions, and maybe a couple other people on staff. And then, you know, then Trebek sees them, but he like, he, that's why he doesn't interact with the contestants before the tapings because he knows the answers. Yeah. And he's not allowed to. Like, what if he finds, what if he, and this wouldn't happen, but what if he like took a liking, a special liking to me? Right. You know, it's like, or it wouldn't be me, but someone, you know. Yeah. Um, if you want, if you want, dude, Shakespeare six hundred. That's your that's that's yours. Trust me. That's your one. That's your <laughs> one. Take it. That's that's where the daily double is. <laughs> Wait up, uh, yeah. That's what I was like. I had to drop a deuce. <laughs> that's how. That's his clue. Um, so, <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, you know, and it's funny. Like now, now they're taping Jeopardy again. They started taping um, a few weeks ago. Uh, wow. Yeah, they're making new episodes of Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. I, I actually have a friend who, who taped, and I won't say, say how she did, but like she did, um, she's like, yeah, you know, yeah, you, you know, you have to 
get a COVID test and you got to wear a mask. And like you talk about sequestering, now you're real, now you're super sequestered. And, you know, they've, they've spaced out the podiums and they've put Alex farther away. And, you know, there's all kinds of great, I can't, I can't wait to see them. It's going to be like, it's fascinating TV, especially for someone who actually likes the show. I mean, if you don't like the show, like I tried to watch them. I heard they were taping new episodes of soap operas. Um, like the young and the restless, the bold uh-huh. and beautiful general hospital days of our lives. They're making all those again. And so I was like, all right, well, I used to, I, my sisters used to watch the young and the restless. I've tuned in over the years. I know some of those characters and I, I turned it on for like a few minutes last week. And I was like, God damn, this is boring. <laughs> I couldn't, I was like, you know, it was just like, just, there was nothing special about it. There was no extra distancing. They weren't shooting outside. It was just like, people talking on couches and at bars and I was just like, eh, yeah i'm like i'm like there's no article in this there's nothing going on here because like, you, you, you never came to genoa city wisconsin apparently the um yeah because you're you're actually you do a lot of writing essays and coverage so are you when you're when, when you're thinking about this stuff are you looking for the article angle and going wait a second this might be something yeah i mean yeah, I mean, I cover pop culture for the yeah. website, so you know, I'm yeah, I'm off, you know, yeah, I'm often trying to find things that I'm interested in or I might have an opinion on. And what yeah. and what was it? I, I couldn't on that top. I just was like, there's just nothing here. <laughs> what was it? What was it? Where you said, you know what, I need to write about getting off of marijuana. Wait, wait, what made you decide that? Hmm. Well, you know, there's the chapter in, I don't know exactly. I mean, I, I, I well, I wrote a piece uh, about it for the New York Times editorial page, which is what I think really led to the firing of that guy. You know, the guy who got fired who was head of the editorial page because he published that, a- that essay saying we must, we get, we need to send in the troops to stop the writing. Remember that? He got fired. I was like, no, anyway, so you don't get that joke. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Hold on, hold on. We'll edit it in. <laughs> okay. Was that better? Right, anyway, anyway, so I published a piece in the New York Times and, you know, I, I never believe people when they're like, I was, you know, the response was overwhelming. I got thousands of emails and calls. I couldn't answer them all. And I didn't. I got a couple of dozen, you know, Facebook messenger things or emails or, you know, a few people got in touch with me, but you know, it wasn't like it was, it was hardly a tsunami that I couldn't handle. But that's a lot too at the same, I mean, that's enough of a response, enough of one. It wasn't huge. It was enough of one more than usual for what I write that I was like, maybe I could sell a book about this. And I think it might actually might be useful to people and helpful. Like people actually might see, you know, some commonality in my experience, or they might see a little bit of themselves, or maybe, you know, their stoner brother-in-law or what, or whatever, you know, someone might need this. So, you know, put a pitch together. We sent it out. Someone bought it. And, uh, you know, then, uh, then the book came out in June of the pandemic year. So that was, that was fortuitous timing for my career. But whatever, it doesn't matter. I, some part of me really hopes that people are reading a lot more now and, and consuming more books. I don't know if that's the case. Are you? Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I, I actually, 
I'm actually setting aside a lot more time during the day to just read, yeah, and I'm read, just I, loving it. I would say I polish off, you know, maybe not quite a book a week, but something along yeah. those lines. And, you know, it's like, it just, you can only read so much internet, you know? Yeah. I, I've been reading a little bit less since the sports came back. Yeah. Um, but then I, then, again, I was, then I realized the other night, I was like, you know, these baseball games are awfully long, and I want to know what happens, and I want to follow them, but I could probably read while they're on. Well, and I, I can't stand the fake crowd noise. I really wish we could hear them. I want to hear the guys swearing. They're, you know, I watch the local Dodgers. Bro. I, you know, I'm a Dodgers fan, mm-hmm. and, and I, watch, I, watch, I have the MLB League Pass subscription or whatever, and I watch um, – I watch every game, and you, you definitely hear people say fuck more than you used to. I like that. That's yeah, like, it's good. It's human, right? You know, and, like, there was that whole incident with the Astros where, like, um, mm-hmm. you know, you could hear Dusty Baker telling Joe Kelly to fuck off from the dugout, and then you could hear, you know, you hear everybody, you know, and the announcers are apologizing, and I'm like, you know, stop pretending this is a game for children. Yes. Kids are all playing video games. This is for middle-aged men who want to see younger men yell at each other and say, they make a mistake. Yeah. What's one, what's great about living outside of your territory, because they black out where, you know, if you live, if you're a Dodgers fan, you live in LA and you got MLB, it's blacked out unless you're, unless you're on cable or something. Yeah, that's why you got to have cable. Right. So I'm I'm from San Francisco. So living in LA is perfect for me because I can watch the Giants games and they don't black out. A lot this season. Yeah, and uh, um, what is wrong? Gabe Kapler is a terrible manager. My God! Oh, yeah. I I haven't really kept up as oh, much the as weekend the, series where they they're. I mean, I've never. I mean, bad. Things are things are bad. I couldn't be happier that things are bad. <laughs> you know, they were, they were the 2010s were tough for a Dodger fan. Yeah, watching the Giants do what they did. Oh, anyway. 20, well, 2010 was one of, I mean, it was one of the most beautiful years for me because I was, <laughs> I was, I was living in the Tenderloin in San Francisco. I just got my new apartment there after divorce. And, um, and I was, I ran down to Whiskey Thieves because I was watching, I was like, I think they're, I think they're getting the game here. I ran down to a bar that was half a block away, watched the end of the game. We won. We all took to the streets. The, the fire truck came out right away with their sirens. And I was like, oh, crap, they're going to shut us down. No, no. They started doing it on the loudspeaker. Let's go, Giants. It was like the fight. The firehouse was inciting everyone to just rush the streets. It was just – but, I, you know, when I was a kid, I was going to Candlestick Park, and all the biker guys were beating the shit out of each other. When I was a kid, it wasn't a kid's game. When I went to a baseball game, all, huge people were fighting and drinking the whole game. Yeah, well, you know – there, there, there's still the occasional murder in the parking lot at Dodger Stadium. <laughs> yeah. They pent it all up, and now it's murder. They can't, before, they can't get before, it on. It. Before it became a COVID testing site and now a polling place. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, everything's virtuous now. <laughs> Thank God baseball's going to um, end uh, social injustice. Anyway. Uh, anyway, all right. So but, but what I'm saying is like, yeah, so I've watched. I've been watching the sports, you know, I've watching some NBA and stuff, and it's weird. It's weird. Look, it's weird. The cutouts are weird. The piped-in noise is weird. Some of the the pro the pitchers sitting in the stands wearing masks, it's all weird. Yeah, but that's it's, weird. You know, 
at the end of the day, if you and some of the new rules, the second base thing at the in the extra innings and designated the, hitter in the National League, ugh. Yeah, it's not great. No. But at the end of the day, it's still it's not like fake baseball. It's still like at the core of it is still like a real baseball game and the players are taking it seriously and the quality of play is a little different, but it's still it's still high. But cool, thing, cool things are still happening. It's still like there's still entertainment, you know. Right. It's not like you can't watch and be like, "Well, this is this is so." If you like baseball and you like baseball history, watching this is just like it's 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 insane. I just I would feel bad if the Dodgers. Well, I wouldn't feel too bad, but if the Dodgers went to the World Series this year. This would be kind of the wrong year to go to the World Series. If, oh, if, no. the right if they can't, if they can't do it again after this, it's, the whole thing is going to be, oh, you did it during that COVID. Oh, they'll be, they'll do it again. Yeah, this team will do. It. This is a very good team. I I enjoy watching them when I when I can watch them. I enjoy They're watching them. Bets. That guy's unbelievable. I know. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Okay, never mind. I'm. I'm I'm set for the next decade. I can relax and know that the team will be pretty good. What What intrigues me is how much, and and this is the human condition. How much we try to normalize as much as we can during a pandemic. How the um how people are really you know it's just like um with the nightclubs and the live music stuff, which is just it's gotten obliterated and shut down. It's just you know. Indie music clubs can't stay alive. It's it's over. And they were they were doing fundraisers at the beginning, and that that just went to like, all right, uh, some of you got some extra money, but we're done. We can't sustain. And um, but the need, because it's like we have to shift. I I don't see how we can't not shift everything. At least you know it's going to be a while. I think, and and we can't like just we're not going to be stage diving at a show. In 2022, I don't think I don't I'm think that happens. I'm certainly not. I'm 50 years old. <laughs> um, but no. But I was like, you know, yes, I guess. Who the who the hell knows? I mean, did you see that video of like the people in Wuhan at an EDM show? They're all like in a pool and inner tubes. Why did we suddenly decide like no more singing? No more singing. There's no no more dancing. Oh, we can't dance anymore. We can't go to restaurants. We can't see grandma. It's like, it doesn't, it, something just doesn't compute. I understand, right. I understand that this is a serious illness and that you can get sick and that other people can get sick. Even if you're not, I get all that. But I mean, come on. What the, the, the lockdowns, the shutdowns, it, it, what's the point of being alive, you know? I I agree, and I also we're not getting the information. Everything is politicized, yes. and this is what's driving me absolutely crazy. I'm like, can we just have a no? No one can have a normal conversation. It's just like let's get together. Like, you know, I know I know you're blue, and I know you're red. That's cute, but can we talk on a, on a human level and like pull it together, people, in in a different way? Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. So yes, but you know, baseball. But it, but the thing is. There is an NBA playoffs that's happening right now, and you can watch it eight hours a day, 12 hours a day if you want to. There's a baseball game on every night, unless you're 
a Cardinals fan, in which case now there's two apparently, <laughs> seven inning games. You know, the movies, there are movies. There are a thousand movie theaters open in the United States today. You could go to the movies anytime you want if you're in a certain place. You know, I'm, you, you can, if you choose, go to a restaurant, you know, in some places. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I mean, what are you supposed to do? I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, in March, I was hiding in my house, terrified that I was going to die. Yeah, me too. And, and then I didn't die. You know, and I was like, all right, well, am I supposed to keep hiding for the rest of my life? Because life is a risk. It's a risk to go outside because you pro- there's the chance of you getting hit by a car is pretty good. Yeah, especially where, where, where we live. Yeah. Yeah. Chances, yeah. Uh, yeah. Chances. So, you know, I just, I don't know. I mean, I'm again, like, I'm not, I don't know. I, I just, I just, I, I can't. I don't want to be afraid anymore. Yeah. It's not worth it. It's not fun. You know? So I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be a dick about it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, people, everyone has to make their choices, but I just feel like, you know, it's just weird that like going to the movies or going to the beach, like innocuous activities suddenly are like, suddenly like there are people who like see them as like suddenly as like the tool of the devil. Yeah. Like, this is, like like you're unclean if you went to the movies i'm just like maybe i mean yes but they've cleaned the theaters finally yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and i mean i don't i never felt clean at some of those movie theaters pre-covid oh, God. God, no no i was like i always I, I i would never wear um sockless uh shoes to the movie theater oh you can only imagine yeah the gunk yeah but um yeah but i mean oh anyway so I don't know. I don't. Anyway, I've, I have been reading more. I've definitely been reading more. I read actually. I actually read that. Um, I read a history of the 1918 um, uh, Spanish flu pandemic. Yeah. Last, a long, long wait to get that uh, on at the library, but it it, it came in finally. Um, and man, it was fascinating to see like the historical parallels from a hundred years ago to now. Yeah, and they didn't even have a flu vaccine until decades later, right? Or no, there was no vaccine. No, I yeah. mean, you know, six hundred and seventy-five thousand Americans died, and America was not even by far the worst hit country. You know, it's like, you know, hundreds, hundred, I think, one hundred and fifty million people died, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, yeah, you know, that's that's absurd numbers, and there were, you know, there was no public health, you right. know. There was, you know, they, they, they were only like um, a couple, two, three decades removed from bleeding patients. Right, right. Do you got leeches? I need leeches. <laughs> there was barely medicine, you know? And so, um, yeah, so, and there was a world war on while it right. was happening. Yeah. You know, so, I don't know. So, like, and then I look at what we're going through right now, and they, you know, and they had similar problems. There were there were lo- there were shutdowns, there were lockdowns. People wore masks. None of it worked. Nothing, nothing worked. And you know, and I and and they and they didn't have twenty first century medicine. You know, so, so it, makes, it makes me think like, it's all this shit we're doing really that good? Did it? Did it also? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Healthcare, yes, you know, 
Yeah. I just, I'm just like, I just think like. Did it make you? Did it make you feel uh, more like uh, what do you call it? Like more confident with hey, I'm going outside because this is because re- what they did back then, they needed to do it then, but now it's just it's not as it's not the same. Well, th- this is not as serious an illness as as that thing was. People were rotting and bleeding out of every orifice, and you know, um, yeah, it did actually. Like the historical perspective helped. Um, my wife and I have been. We got a subscription to the Great Courses Plus. I don't know the Great. I don't know if you know what the Great Courses is, but it's like it's yeah. an app on my Roku, and then also you can watch it on online or on your phone, or whatever. And it's just like college lectures about infinite numbers of topics. We've been, we've been watching a lecture series about the Black Death um, mm-hmm. from this professor at Purdue. You know, she's like a medievalist and a I don't know. She's, she, she's very smart. Yeah, <laughs> she's, yeah. Harder than me, right? And uh, we, you know, we we don't watch it every day because it's like it's you know, it can get a little 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 sleepy after a while, and like I'm like oh my god, thirty minutes about the Black Death in Scandinavia, okay. You can watch it stoned; it'd probably be better. Yeah, I'm like, what time? What, what, when, can, when can we switch to Ninety Day Fiance? Uh, but uh, yeah. you know, but um, but it's but but that's been helpful too to like put it in perspective. Like, okay. We are living through a historical period um, that has some similarities to other historical periods and also has like this weird postmodern, you know, tech dystopia angle. And, you know, hell, it actually has helped to some extent, like, keep me sane. Well, what it sounds like the present moment, what it sounds like, it's actually giving information, (laughs) which is what we're not getting. History. Right. Real history from real historians without too much politics, a little bit, but like, you know, I was surprised actually when the guy who wrote that pandemic book had an editorial in the New York Times saying we all had to wear masks. When I just read his book, finished reading his book a week earlier, and he was like, they wore masks, none of it worked. And there was a whole chapter on San Francisco uh, which I imagine you'd be interested in. They, you know, San Francisco for the the the, the flu pandemic, the nineteen eighteen flu pandemic, um, locked down super hard, right? They were like super, you know, you know, San Franciscans like to like to be the best, you know, pretentiously be like the the smartest and the best, and so they were like they were, they were really diligent about it, and they followed the rules, and they punched that virus out. They're all masked up, and then it came in, in anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. After, after and I know what you mean about San Francisco, too. There, there's a oh, reason why I went to L.A. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, that is so San Francisco. Because it's the same now. Everyone yeah. I know from San Francisco is like, well, we, I haven't left my house in 670 million days. And <laughs> my children uh, don't breathe fresh air anymore. And we're safe. And we're <laughs> good citizens. I'm like, okay. All right, keep 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 on trucking. <laughs> well, I mean, when I left San Francisco about uh, seven years ago, the that's when like my friends who were like fellow artists or whatever were trying to tip Google buses because these buses were taking tech workers from the Mission District to Silicon Valley, so they were blocking them and tra- and the, and scaring poor tech workers. Where I'm sitting there going, you know, why why are you do- why are you screaming at something that's just change and it just I, I was like I can't be around this can you guys like write something can you do something creative instead of instead of your response anyway so I came to Los Angeles oh, those, tech with people. Workers are all, those tech workers are all leaving now 
Yeah, exactly. They're all going to, they're all going to live in the suburbs and they're going to work from home. And then, man. Well, I think there's. The genie has granted your wish. I think there's an exodus coming your way. Uh, it sounds like a lot of Angelinos and like Californians kind of been down to Austin, to Austin area and all that. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's always, you know, like, like I'm some kind of native Texan. I mean, I lived here. I moved here from wherever and then I left, lived in L.A. for a while and I came back. So, yeah, yes, maybe. But, you know, every place has got their own set of problems right now. Yeah, exactly. Special problems. So, uh, anyway, but, you know. Yeah. So, but so I yeah. So I've been reading like, and I have this thing now where I'm gonna like my my new project is I'm gonna read all the books on the Booker Prize long list. Oh, cool. I'm like, all right. Well, I run a book website, so I should read these books. Yeah. I probably won't like them all, but it's okay. You know, I'm read. I'm reading Huckleberry Finn. I have mm -hmm. never read it in my life. I never read it as a kid. Book. It's a racist book, Tony. <laughs> I think this is the greatest book. It's a, it's a, it, it, well, they call yeah. it one. <laughs> I don't believe it's racist. They call it, is it racist? I don't know. No. <laughs> Have you read it? Of course. Yeah, I didn't see because I, I grew up in a weird religion where I didn't get to read much, quote, worldly literature. So mm -hmm. I've had to, I've had to come back to a lot of things as I've gotten older. And yeah. I'm halfway through it, and there's some chapters like it's, I'm like, oh my God, why am I feeling emotional? This is such a great story because just the re relationship building and the humor of Mark Twain just blows my mind. Right. The greatest American novel. Yeah. I, 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 it, set, it, set, it set the whole narrative tone for every novel to come after it. It's like funny. Like the American picaresque journey, you know? And he was like, yeah. Yeah. I read Don Quixote probably a decade ago, and that was like the perfect time to read that. And then now I'm reading this. I'm like, oh, I feel like this is the perfect time to read this for me. And Don Quixote is great, but it's like, it's not exactly like an easy read because it's in an old idiom. And whereas, whereas Huckleberry Finn, you know, it's kind of modern still feeling, you know, Twain, Twain was such a, a master of the American vernacular. And, you know, it's just like, yeah, that's a great book. Um, yeah. You know, they, they made a Broadway musical out of it. Did they? Yeah, Big River. Huh. Uh, Roger Miller, country singer Roger Miller, who wrote King of the Road, wrote the wrote the the the, um, the music and the and the lyrics. Wow, that sounds cool. See, I I'm catching up on. I this guess stuff. I saw it on Broadway back back in the eighties. Uh, wow. Yeah. yeah. See, and I don't even know how Huck Finn ends. So I'm just, and I don't want to know. Don't spoil it. I'm really enjoying the ride. It ends with. It ends. He they 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 solve racism. That's why, that's why people don't like it. Because people don't want racism solved. They want to yell at it. No, Huck tells Jim, you know, Jim, I realized after all this trip that we're on that your life matters. <laughs> and then, and then, it, and then it, it, racism ends, and it's great. No, that, that's not uh, what happens. I know. I like... <laughs> well, don't no. tell me what happens. If that's no, what no. happens in the end, I'm going to be so mad. I'm going to be so mad at you. It's not. There's no flashbacks, which is why I really like. There's no flashbacks, you know, and and, and like there's no like there's no explo big explosions, you know. There's like not yeah. So it's it's you know it's not a genre book. So you know, right? It's, it's, you'll, you'll be satisfied. And I am kind of. Uh, I don't, well, Tom Sawyer. They get married. What's that? How can Tom Sawyer get married? Oh yeah. Mm. <laughs> Alternate endings. <laughs> that oh my god there's a great book the alternate endings to uh, huck finn and other classics
Mm. So we have to, um, yeah, woke. We have to wokeify American literature. Yeah, that's well, and that you know, there's they're doing a um, they're doing a you know big a big time celebrity reading virtual reading of Fast Times at Ridgemont High yeah, coming up, and I was like. Oh, you better not change any of those words in there, because I know there's some of those words that would not Why, be happening. Are they doing it for charity? Yeah, but I if they if they oh, mess Sean up, Penn, Sean Penn was playing Spicoli still. Yeah, and um, is he or no? Yeah. Okay. So, um, but it's just I mean, if they mess up Cameron Crowe's words, I'm going to be upset. They could mess up his words from Almost Famous. Could I don't they? like. I don't like. I they could. I don't like. Yeah, yeah. But yeah well, not, Fast Times is Fast Times is like. Are they going to keep the songs? Oh right. Probably yeah. going to get the rights. <laughs> you know, it's not quite the same without the songs. Yeah. Or without Judge Reinhold, but I can't imagine he's coming back. Yeah. It's. Uh, yeah. So they're not getting a lot of this. A lot of the original stars. It doesn't seem like. Or anyway, like, like live, we can watch that on on like on like YouTube. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I think you can tune in and watch the, the read through, which will probably be social distance. So everyone will be, you know, six feet apart. And then, uh, and then it'll be a mad orgy after, but that will be when the cameras turn off. Yeah, I got to look that up. Because that seems like something that would be fun to cover for the website. Yeah. If I'm not at the movies dying. <laughs> don't die at the movies. I won't die at them. I'll die after them. No, don't die after the movies. You'll, okay. be, our, you'll be our test subject, Neil. Yeah. Thank, yes. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for taking it for the rest of us. So we'll yeah. know. I'm, I'm the rat in the cage. <laughs> Neil, it was fantastic having you on the yeah. show. Thank you. It was fun. Sorry we didn't talk about Potmore. I'm just like, eh, yeah. Well, they'll know about your book because yeah. you, what you want to do is you want to you want to lead them towards your book. What an engaging person he is. Exactly. Neil Pollock on Drinks with Tony. Check out his new book, Pothead. My life as a marijuana addict in the age of legal weed. Hey, come back next week when my guest is Joe Clifford, the author of Lake House. Week after that, Judy Gold discusses comedy and outrage culture. That's right. We talk about you easily offended people. Tune in so you can be offended and send us your letters. Have a great weekend. I will see you next Wednesday.